one of my first thoughts was like, whoa, is this what my mom did and my grandma? Like, this is insane what women can do. The fact that our bodies are capable of doing something like this, it felt very empowering. I was like, okay, now I can count myself to this group of women who have experienced something so unlike anything. Welcome to this episode of the Positive Birth Story podcast with me, Oasa Holstein. I'm a Swedish midwife, a healthcare entrepreneur, and a very proud mother of three beautiful see-my-big children. As a midwife working in Sweden, I've had the great advantage of assisting a large number of women during the process of giving birth. And I know that there are as many birth stories as there are women. Each birth story as unique as its woman. In this episode, we will hear Sonia's story about being induced after a long pregnancy in week 42 plus one days. It's not very often positive stories about induction are shared, but they do exist, I promise you. This is a podcast with women for women. Hi, Sonia. Hi. I'm super excited to have you here. I'm really happy to be here. What were your views on childbirth prior to becoming pregnant? I'm not sure I thought that much about it. And if I think about that, that could be one of the reasons I think it went so well. I think like most women or expecting mothers, I did read a couple of blogs, I read a couple of books, and I tried to sort of collect previous experiences and tips and stuff like that advice. But at the end of the day, it kind of just stressed me out more than helped me. Oh, the reading and the listening yeah, too. because then it's, it felt like I was like building these expectations and I'd have something that I'd have to live up to. So I stopped reading them. I even I had joined a couple of Facebook groups and I, I left those groups. And I tried to just work on the whole, I guess, having faith that my body was made to do something like this and that I have a support system that I'll survive the whole experience. And that's pretty much, I think, the only sort of preparatory work I did. So would you say that you're a person that's good at listening to the signals from your body? I think intuitively, yeah, I'm pretty good at resting when I need to rest. Like sleeping <laughs> when I need to sleep, which obviously is very difficult when you have a baby. <laughs> But I think, sure, yeah, intuitively, I think I have a pretty good sense of what I need in the moment. How would you describe yourself as a person? And do you think this reflected <laughs> on how you gave birth? <laughs> well, I'm, I guess I'm a complex person, like I think everyone is. Um, so it's hard to sort of describe myself. But I think one uh, personality trait that did help me uh, during labor was that I'm pretty calm usually. Even when a lot of stuff around me is chaotic, I can somehow uh, find a way to remain calm or balanced, even if things around me are happening quickly or I feel nervous or afraid. So I think that helped. Was there uh, anything you would have liked to know about giving birth? Uh, prior to actually doing it yourself. Well, this is kind of funny, too, because I, I, I'm the kind of person that I'm, I'm in my head a lot, somehow, even though I, I just said I, I feel grounded, too. But, it, but I think you can't really 
imagine what it will be like in the moment giving birth. And what really was really cool, uh, but also a completely new experience, was the way my body just sort of did its thing. It like completely took over. It didn't matter what I was thinking or feeling in the moment because, yeah, you know, the contractions came and went. And especially nearing the end, the contractions, I don't know if there's a special word for that, but when they get even stronger for pushing, um, that was a very interesting experience because my body just took over. And I suppose that would have been interesting to know beforehand, but at the same time, like, I don't really know what I would have done with that information. Maybe I would have um, expected it to happen, and then if it hadn't happened, I would have been like, oh, okay, why didn't that happen? So at the end of the day, I, I think it's good that, um, at least for me, to, sure, you know, listen to stories like this or uh, read some blogs or articles or books even, but then just sort of give yourself over to yourself because it's your experience and it's unique. Yeah, you never know how it'll be, so. Has your mother ever talked about her giving birth to you? She always said that, and I have a sister too, she said with both births it was easy breezy. She didn't um, need any pain medication or epidurals or anything like that. And uh, she also said she didn't really remember what it was like. Um, sure, it hurt, <laughs> like most women say. But then we popped out and everything was fine. Do you think that this has affected the way you looked upon birth? Now that you ask, yeah, that's probably one of the reasons my mom is pretty laid back about a lot of things. And I suppose growing up, hearing that giving birth was natural, neither scary nor special. It's special, but, you know, not like, I suppose, glorified. So then you would feel some sort of pressure to live up to a certain type of birthing story or something. I suppose, yeah. I never thought about it, though. I think about it sometimes, and I think the way that our mothers talk with us about their births plants a seed in us mm. that can either be like... Uh, childbirth seems to be very mm. scary or more neutral like in your case or mm. like a really cool thing to do I think that's true not only our mothers but the women we surround ourselves with I guess both in society but also friends I like the word tribe a lot of women's uh, blogs and uh, groups use that word and I think it's a very apt uh, word to use because I think the same way we're talking about our mothers in previous generations, I think, unfortunately, a lot of that knowledge or those memories kind of gotten lost over the ages. Like, we don't talk about it as much anymore. I totally agree. And yeah. it's it's a shared wisdom that we mm. are losing. And um, I read that. It was quite recently I read about baby showers mm -hmm. <laughs> and now it's you know it's you know what a baby shower is I had of course one, yeah. you had one maybe <laughs> but originally it was a way of uh, older women mm. or women the same age but had gone through pregnancy and childbirth sharing their wisdom and insights about mm. it with the becoming mother and I think that's beautiful I agree that's really lovely that wealth of wisdom unfortunately just isn't as common anymore Which is also, I suppose, now that I think of it, one of the reasons I really like the idea of this pod. Because I was like, hmm, you know, it's a modern way of being able to share natural and positive experiences about childbirth with other women. 
Bring us back to the days before our birth starting. Well, <laughs> my little son, he, uh, he decided he didn't want to come out on his own. So I was actually induced. Mm. So 42 weeks plus one, which means that the uh, two weeks after my due date, so especially that first week, I was really irritable and frustrated because I just kind of wanted to get it over with somehow and, and meet him. So the days leading up to, um, I guess, my appointment for inducing, I was excited and probably a little frustrated still, even though I really tried to sort of meditate on it and like, okay, either we'll start on its own or we'll have the appointment and we'll all be fine. But so when we finally did go to the hospital that morning, I was just really excited and happy that I was finally <laughs> going to get going. Those two weeks were pretty long, weren't they? They were very long, especially that first week. I was so angry all the time. My uh, uh, my fiancé was an angel. <laughs> yeah. It's like the days are divided into hours mm -hmm. when you wait for the baby and you're past your due date. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, this whole, um, there's obviously various symptoms you can experience as a pregnant woman. And uh, swelling of the feet it didn't happen to me. Uh, until those last couple days. And all of a sudden, one of my feet, or I think both of them at the end of them that evening, uh, resembled more a, um, like a plastic glove filled with water and feet. <laughs> <laughs> it was the most weird sensation, and it just looked so bizarre. But it, it kind of made me laugh, too. Um, so that happened, too, I remember. And then I really knew I was ready to just let him come out. So there are many stories about inducing labor. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd say the vast majority are not very positive stories. I agree. I've, yeah, I read sometimes a of those. when you induce labor, it might take longer. It usually takes longer time for birth to happen. Mm -hmm. So what happened when you came into the hospital? They did an exam just to see the cervix, I suppose, how open it is and how soft it is and the position and all that. And it turned out that I had already started, um, or the cervix had already started to open. So, oh, good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I guess my body was pretty much underway, but it might have taken a couple more days. I don't know. Mm. Which I suppose also affects w which way they induce. So they used a like balloon on a catheter where you like mm -hmm. fill it with a little bit of air and... Actually, with the fluid. With the fluid, yeah, yeah I, I, you would know that better than me. <laughs> but any when it's uh, when it falls out, that means the cervix is open another centimeter or two, right? Yeah. Okay. So that's what they did. So in that sense, it was pretty, I guess, easy going in the beginning. But around um, early, uh, the early afternoon, uh, the balloon slid out, and then I got the uh, pitocin, I suppose, the IV in my hand. I don't know if it's the same drug that you use to induce, but Yeah, it's usually the same drug. But did they do that before breaking the waters, or did they break the waters well, first? Well, yeah, they tried. And oh, it, they did. And they didn't oh. want to break. Oh. They, tried, they tried to do that, and it did not happen. So they uh, put the IV in. Because that's usually the way they do it. I have the balloon if the cervix right. is ripe enough, and mm -hmm. then when the balloon comes out, you're three, four centimeters dilated, mm -hmm. and then you try to break the waters, mm -hmm. and after that you get the drip. Right. No, that did not work. So I got the I got the IV and then I guess I I had to go to the bathroom an hour or so later and that and then my water broke when mm. I stood up. 
which was also an experience. It was kind of funny. <laughs> um, it's quite a lot of water. It's a lot of water, and it feels really weird. Also pretty cool. I, I feel like I'm saying things are cool all the time, but that's kind of how I felt the experience was mostly. It was kind of intriguing and interesting. And I was like, oh, now this happened. Oh, okay. Now we're doing this. Mm. Okay, cool. Until, you know, I guess the further you progress and uh, the more intense the contractions become and the less I was in my head and then and then more and just the bodily sensations of of labor. So water broke and then labor started or did you start getting contractions by now or? Yeah. So contractions started before then and then they picked up after the water broke. I, I noticed a difference. I don't know if they maybe turned up the the, um, the drip too. Maybe, but, but you usually don't have to because mm-hmm. just water breaking starts a hormonal reaction that oh. triggers the contractions to become more strong. Right. Because I, I do remember... Um, becoming more intense after that. So that can actually be one way to induce labor, only to make the water break. Oh yeah, now that you say that, I so think there I are different methods that. depending yeah. on if it's your first child or a second child or okay. how ripe the cervix is. Yeah, interesting. And maybe this is part of being induced is that my contractions were pretty close together from the very beginning. They weren't that long, maybe 20 seconds, but every 2 to 3 minutes. Mm. So Obviously, after a while, I couldn't finish the movie because then I had to focus. And how did you cope with them? Tummy breathing. I've done a lot of yoga over Mm. the years. Did you find it helpful? Yes, very. In what way? Well, breathing in general is just it connects you to that grounded place. It's so primal. Um, Anyone who's ever been under pressure or stress or afraid even can uh, recognize that when you're feeling those feelings, your breathing becomes very shallow. Your shoulders get you know closer and closer to your ears. So focusing on your breathing, using your tummy and your diaphragm to breathe instead of the upper portion of your lungs, just automatically creates this sort of relaxing response in your body. And again, you know, intellectually, I knew this, and so I was like, okay, I have to put this strategy to work, and it worked. It helped. And I think at that time too, now. Thankfully, I I suppose I don't usually get bad menstrual cramps. They happen every now and then, but not every time I get my period. So I don't have to experience that all the time. But but in the beginning, the contractions were more like menstrual cramps. So you could recognize the sensation in the body. Exactly. And maybe they were a little more intense, but the breathing thing, you know, is the same way I would cope with menstrual cramps. Mm. I usually say that if you've had a lot of bad menstrual cramps, mm-hmm. it's a good preparation for yeah. giving birth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's that's the upside of having yeah. a lot of menstrual cramps. And the breathing worked for quite a while. Did you move around in the room or did you... You know, I didn't. I didn't feel like doing that at all. I found this position that was sort of like the the, um, the backrest was up in, the, in the, the bed. So it was like a not 90 degree angle, but a little bit um, up. And sort of on my side, but not really. Mm. And that just felt really good. Mm. And every time I tried to shift, then the pain would be more palpable. And uh, no, I didn't want to do that. <laughs> so I just went reverted back to that like that position, and then I could I could cope. So that's that's a good thing to think about too. Is that obviously you know the people that work there, I had a very good experience with the um, 
all of the people that work there, the nurses and, and the doctors. Uh, and, and they have tips and um, suggestions of what you can do. But, you know, you have to you have to feel, I guess, your own body and um, know what's best for yourself, too. Mm, and to honor the feeling mm. that contractions create in your body and okay this is a good position for me even though exactly. they say they suggested I should stand up now or yeah. stand on all fours or right. whatever so, and they did they're like oh you yeah. want to walk around yeah. a little bit I was like no I'm good <laughs> I'll stay here <laughs> did you find it hard to stand your ground no no because <laughs> I guess when you're in a little pain too at least for me, I, I wouldn't say you get, you're get you like bitchy or anything, but you're kind of like, I'm in pain and this is what I want to do. And you're not in pain, so don't tell me what to do. I will do this. <laughs> Thank you. Um, in a polite way, of course. Why I ask is because yeah. I know that midwives and nurses and whoever is helping you with birth, we mm. can be rather persuasive. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. It would be really good for you now if you stood up. Yeah. <laughs> Like, no, thank you. That's what I said. No, thank you. I'll stay here. Oh, good. <laughs> and then they, they left me alone. Or they giggled and, and left the room. They were fine. So I, I feel like they were more supportive than too persuasive. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So you decided to take the epidural. Yes. But I'm not sure if it was just because, you know, it, it does hurt. And uh hadn't gotten much sleep the night before because, you know, you're excited and a little nervous. But I was getting really tired, mm. and the whole feeling <laughs> grounded and breathing and, and riding the waves of pain wasn't really working anymore, even with the laughing gas. So I eventually asked for the epidural because I, I couldn't even... Because that's the cool thing, you know, like between contractions, you actually feel no pain whatsoever. I know, isn't it cool? It's, it's amazing. It's so weird. It's so weird. Yeah. And it's it's like, wow, thanks, you know, so you can try to recoup a little um but they were intense and very close together and so at this point I felt so like kind of scrunched up and I couldn't relax between contractions anymore and I was starting to feel not grounded I guess and I knew that okay I need I need some help uh you know now in hindsight and I think if I do decide to have another child um I think I could find other ways to cope like maybe next time I should or I should have, I guess, or I will ask my fiance to just come over and like stroke my shoulders or massage my shoulders or something, you know. But in the moment, I didn't really think of asking him to come on over. He was standing next to me a, a lot of the time, too. But again, in that moment, you're not really thinking. You're more in your body and the experience. Did you ever have an internal conflict about opting for the epidural not you in just that said moment that. no no in that moment I was like this is what's gonna this is what's gonna end this part of of the uh the journey uh both pain wise but I also had this feeling that if I could just relax I'd be fine I don't know I I made a decision that felt wise yeah Sounds for wise. me in the moment a good yeah. decision mm-hmm. why I'm asking is that I know that if you have a if you have your mindset on having what we call a natural birth, mm. which I think is quite stupid because it's as natural <laughs> if you have the epidural. Mm. It's mm. like, it's not unnatural. <laughs> uh, it's that you can sometimes get into an internal conflict with your mindset on how you mm. thought about giving birth and what you actually need in the moment. So. Like you're betraying yourself. Yeah, kind a little of thing. bit. Like, mm. ah, 
oh, I'm really bad at this. Ah, oh, I need to have yeah. the epidural. And I think that's so sad because you do, you do what you need to do. <laughs> and if you listen to the body and listen to yourself, uh, it's going to guide you in what decisions you need to make. And I, I agree wholeheartedly with what you just said. And I think that is very wise advice because it, it made me sad just hearing you say that. And mm. it's, it's true. I mean, you don't have to be hard on yourself. No, when we have to be super birth. nice to ourselves. We're yes. giving birth, for Christ's sake. Yeah, and I agree. And that, that's like a completely different podcast episode. But the whole being nice to yourselves, mm. we could all really learn to be nicer to ourselves mm. uh, in everyday life, too. But especially now, I suppose, having done that, I remember one of my first thoughts was like, whoa, is this what my mom did and my grandma? Like, this is insane what women can do. Uh, the women that choose to have babies, you know, there's no, I, I don't, I, I have no um, opinions whatsoever if you choose to have children or not. But the fact that our bodies are capable, I guess, of doing something like this. And that was a cool feeling. It felt very empowering. I was like, okay, now I can count myself to this group of women who have, you know, survived and experienced something so unlike anything. The thing is, too, after I got the epidural and the pain you know, subsided, he came out like 25, 30 minutes later. All of a sudden, I went from like, I don't know if it was eight centimeters to 10 in like five minutes, and then he was out. So mm. that to me also says that I made a good decision in the moment um, for both him and me. So bring us back to the actual moment when your son was born. How, were you sitting in the bed by now or were you? Yeah, I guess I gave birth in the traditional position where you, yeah, I, we didn't have stirrups, but pretty much that See my sitting angle. in the bed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, and I, I remember thinking too, I didn't realize when they told me to turn around that, okay, now I'm going to give birth. But all of a sudden they said push, and I said, oh, okay, I guess we're we're ready to do this now. And so then uh, I think only pushed a couple times, actually, and he came out. And they, I guess, you know, dried him off a little and then just put him on my chest. And it was so funny because he, he came out and he has these big black eyes. And um, he didn't cry. He was just blinking his eyes. And then the doctor, you know, patted him on the back a little and he kind of whined a little or it made a little sound. And then he put, they put him on my chest and um, he just lay there blinking his eyes. And I was like, wow. And I, again, with the expectations, I think, especially movies, you know, everyone starts crying and it's like this huge event. And it was huge. But I didn't cry. I felt this sort of... Mm, wonder, I guess. And I remember just like touching his little hand and thinking like, so you're the guy that's been inside me like kicking and punching and not wanting to come out, <laughs> you know. Um, and I felt this curiosity and um, I just really wanted to get to know him. I think it might be a little taboo, but another sort of myth that we're supposed to buy into is that as soon as the baby pops out, you start crying and you're like, oh, I love you so much, you know? And I did have that natural instinct that like, this is my kid, you know, and I love him for that. But at the same time, it's someone you don't know yet, you know? And like the first, and they call it the fourth trimester, right? Those first mm -hmm. couple months where you're just, all of you are just trying to survive. And um, that moment too, I, I kind of, it wasn't like, 
it was exactly that, more trying to survive, like trying to figure out, like uh, I decided to nurse, so figuring out nursing and sleeping and all that. But then after that time, so he was born in May, so by the end of the summer, then I was starting to really get to know him. And that's when that surge of like, wow, you're so cute. You know, that, The love bump surge. Yeah. yeah. And so it I took a couple of weeks then. I did, you know, yeah. but I didn't feel... I didn't feel strange or, or like depressed or anything like that. And so it made me wonder that maybe that's okay. Cause you know, I suppose I have this uh, notion too, that even our kids and, and, and hopefully, you know, we love them to death and care for them and do anything for them, but they're also their own individuals. So, and relationships are built on getting to know each other. And somehow, even though it is more instinctual and, Hopefully you live together with, you know, parent and child um, when you're getting to know them. But I feel like in many ways, it's like any other relationship. You just have to get to know each other. Mm. And you invest in it too. Oh, yeah, to, so to, much. To create that, yeah, so much with the child, of course. Yeah. But to create that feeling of mm. bonding and love. And, mm. and now he's like, he's 19 months old and he's just, he's the cutest little kid. Yeah, I love him to death. So is there a myth about childbirth that you like to kill in this podcast? <laughs> I guess um, like in movies where they always scream, like this weird kind of scream. I know like everybody, all, I think I guess all, all births are different and stuff, but And I remember making noises <laughs> um, that you couldn't really control, like this guttural sort of primal kind of moan. But the um, hysterical screaming in movies, even before I gave birth, I suppose I was like, oh, wow. that's." But I guess that's it. Before I gave birth, it kind of scared me a little. I was like, is that what's going to happen? I mean, it sounds like they're being ripped in, in half. Like, it's horrible. Or they step on a snake or something. Yeah. That's, it's that it's kind this, of scream. Exactly. Yeah. It's this high-pitched, like, painful, scared scream, which is not true at all. It's like the sounds, and I've talked to friends that have, have children, too. I don't know if it's not the same for everyone, but still it's more like a deep-throated sort of, like, moan kind of thing that's sort of in tune with the body, and it's primal, and it's, yeah. So I guess that's a myth I would like to kill because <laughs> uh yeah it doesn't sound like that i don't think <laughs> if you look upon the whole process of you bringing your child into this world mm -hmm. what would you say was the one most important thing for you having this positive experience no i, I keep coming back to it but i really believe that letting go of expectations And any sort of preconceived plans. I mean, even even if you do write a letter, which is common practice here, at least, um, that you want a natural birth or whatever you feel like you want, being able to let that go. And just really trying to be in the moment and trusting yourself that you can handle whatever comes and that, um, you know, if... For some reason, you need more help, hopefully feeling safe enough to trust that the people that work there or the people that are around you will help you through it. But again, I, f I still feel most importantly, and, and, and this can be 
the reality with anything that is a challenge or anything tough in life is no one can do this for you. And if I'm going to be more (laughs) existentialistic, philosophical, I suppose, is you're surrounded by people, but you're alone in this experience. And instead of letting that scare you, which it is a scary thought. I mean, being alone is not maybe best feeling in the world. If you can somehow flip it to being a challenge that can empower you and be like, I did this. I survived this. If I can do this, I can do anything. And that doesn't only relate to childbirth, you know. Pick any sort of challenge that really makes you nervous or a little afraid, which is okay. Yeah, I mean, I love this quote where courage is not the absence of fear. It's doing something in spite of it, and I'm paraphrasing, but yeah. And I think that definitely relates to childbirth because uh, you carried the baby, and the baby needs to come out. (laughs) So yeah, you're in the driver's seat and, and claim that instead of being afraid of it, I suppose. So what do you think helped you tap into that well of courage and trust the process? I suppose it's a value of mine, a philosophy I try to live by in general, because, I mean, life is scary in many ways, which I think is perfectly fine and normal. But if you want to go from point A to point B, sometimes you have to embrace that and keep going, you know. And now that I think about it and saying it out loud, I guess my dad usually would say that (laughs) at home growing up um, in various ways to embrace it. You get out the other side, you'll be fine. So again, I think maybe it was very instinctual, but also I, I'm a psychologist too. So going through uh, years of schooling, kind of learning how we function, emotions and thoughts and all that in, in various ways uh, probably helped too. Did you know that this, I, I love to call it a superpower, mm-hmm. the power we tap into when we give birth, the, mm-hmm ability to let go and trust the process. Mm. Did you know that you had this power within you? No, I don't think so. At least not consciously. I'd like to say now, you know, in hindsight, and we're sitting here talking, is that we do have it inside us, all of us. And um, I suppose some version of that, I, I definitely believed before I had my son, that we have this ability to survive and thrive um, that we can tap into. But there's, it's so complicated. I feel like it's very complex. And people are so different. And we have different life experiences and stuff. But I guess in relation to childbirth, sure, I guess uh, tied into the fact that our bodies are naturally made to be able to do something like this. And the superpower is a very good way of describing it because it is larger than life somehow. It's a really cool thing to be able to do. Have you thought about it after giving birth? Yeah, definitely after. I remember. And what are your thoughts about it now? Well, again, like somehow feeling humbled and honored to be a part of that portion of women who've actually done this. And it made me understand too, or like some sort of deeper understanding for my mother and other women too that have done this. It is like crazy. Has the way you think about yourself and your ability mentally and physically changed after giving birth? Mm-hmm. Definitely. I feel like I can do anything now if I could do the and, I, and again, I mean me personally. Um, 
with that whole uh, thing of, of giving birth is, is something that you do on your own somehow, even if you are surrounded by other people, that now I know that I can um, get out of my own way if I focus, you know? Mm. So definitely I feel like um, somehow giving birth has made me even more confident, more mature, sure of myself, and less afraid of fear, I guess, if that makes sense. Because if I could do something like this, then I can do anything. And physically, the relationship to my own body, and I'm sure a lot of women can relate, where we do still have a lot of societal pressures on how we're supposed to look and all that stuff. I don't know. I feel like sometimes these magazines and sort of popular articles that talk about getting your body back. In shape after giving birth. Yeah, or just getting your body back, you know. And that always kind of bothered me a little. And now I know why. Is because even if you get back in shape, you, you lose the baby weight. Maybe you don't have any stretch marks or anything like that. And you can't even tell you gave birth because there are women like that. Um, you can't go back. Life doesn't go backwards. And you will be forever changed anyway, regardless of if, you know, you nurse or not, if you even gained weight or not, you know, like it, it doesn't really matter. So that is something too, I think has changed the relationship with my own physical form or physical body is that I'm not interested in going back because that's impossible. So now I'm trying to find a new, I guess, a new balance, a new strength or physical shape or weight or whatever. Um, I think that's important too, because even if you decide not to nurse, you're just not going to sleep that well and there's going to be this urge and desire to take care of this kid like before you even take care of yourself especially in the beginning and if you have the added pressure of getting back in in something that no longer fits you anyway because you've outgrown the old you you've done this now it's like a, a rite of passage it's you can't go back just try to find a new you that fits because now you're a mom too just another role in your repertoire. I mean, you can't go back. So I'm working on that now. So happy you're talking about it because it's uh, we need to redefine ourselves. Mm. And it, you know, I'm a bit, a bit older than you are, and it, you know, it keeps coming. Like mm. you get more wrinkles, you don't look the same, the body changes. Instead of fighting it, trying to embrace it because it's life, and it's something so beautiful in it. I agree. So if there would be one advice or wisdom you'd like to share with other women uh, preparing for birth, what would that be? I would have to say to believe in yourself. Allow yourself to feel both emotions, but also bodily sensations to somehow believe that you can hand yourself over to the process and it will be fine. Listen to that voice inside and just sort of surrender to that and trust that that voice is actually you. So you can just let yourself guide yourself. <laughs> thank you so much for sharing your story and your thoughts. Thank you for listening. It's been a blessing. Oh, it's been really nice to be here. Thank you for listening to the Positive Birth Story podcast with me, Swedish midwife Wasa Holstein. And thank you, dear Sonja, for a heart-to-heart conversation about giving birth, the power of the breath, 
and for your reflections about it taking time to get to know your child and sometimes time before you get that feeling of deep love. I think it's so important to know that. And if it's not always an instant feeling, it will grow on you. The methods for induction differs from country to country, also the time when a woman is induced. In Sweden, pregnancy and childbirth is looked upon as a normal and healthy process. And we try to let the body get the time that is needed to start up on its own, if no medical complication arises, of course. Allowing the body to start up in labor by itself will lower the risk for medical interventions and complications during birth. This story has now got an eternal life and will be passed forward in aim to help other women in their preparation for birth. I just love it. If you want to read more about me and this mission of mine, go to the positivebirthstorypodcast.com. To be sure that you don't miss an episode, do subscribe. And in the case you have enjoyed this episode and feel like you want to contribute to a good cause, please reach out to one of my favorite organizations of all times, Doctors Without Borders, and support them in the important and life-changing work they do for women and babies around the world every day. Thank you from the depth of my uterus, and I hope you will come back for more episodes. Bye for now. Bye for now.